Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am in Houston, but I am joined back in Los Angeles by Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. Lakers in an excellent position. Four <laughs> games to go. We'll see what happens. You and I both know this team. I'm still a little, yeah, I always have to have a little suspicion of if they can get string together five, six, seven wins in a row, but it's looking pretty good for them right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I really didn't foresee the Lakers being in this great a position. We'll get into that momentarily, but I do want to bring up, obviously, I, I am in Houston. The national championship yeah. game was last night. UConn defeating San Diego State. Just an amazing run by San Diego State. I don't think anyone expected them to be, uh, you know, in the uh, championship game. I mean, I got to see UConn up close when they were in Vegas for the West Regional. And one of the most dominant runs I think we've seen in the tournament in terms of the fact that, you know, they really didn't play a a close game this entire tournament. I I, I guess you could uh, say that the closest game that they did play was in the championship game on Monday. But, you know, going back to that Las Vegas West Regional, uh, beating Gonzaga, a really fantastic Gonzaga team by 30 points. Um, Arkansas by 23 points. Uh, just, again, did not really have to play the close game this entire tournament. Um, but, again, San Diego State, um, just a great run, a great program. But then at the end of the day, you know, uh, just I think they went up against a ju- a juggernaut in UConn again, a, yeah. a four seed, but clearly the way that they played during the uh, tournament, uh, you know, they they were not a four seed. They, they were one of the top and, teams in the country. Yeah, and a lot of people, what a lot of people don't know is UConn was ranked second to start the year. They're fourteen and one. Then they had a little stretch where they lost like four out of five games against like Marquette, who was really good. They played in. Probably the best conference in college basketball this year in the Big East, right? Marquette, yeah. Xavier beat them. Uh, even Providence beat them at one point. And then once they fixed that stretch, they're, they only lost like two or three games the rest of the year after that five-game losing streak. And it was against um, Marquette in the national in the Big East Championship, right? Yeah. And it, that was a close game even. So I think when we're like, oh, they're a four seed, it's like, okay, well, they had the talent of like a one. It was the same thing with Arkansas. Everyone saw them as an eight seed. Arkansas was ranked top five, top 10 early on in the year. So that wasn't really a surprise. I did, you know, they were playing with that loss to Marquette. I did have some reservations about UConn. I only had them going to like the Sweet 16. So, but I mean, look, a dominant run. ESPN says it every year, like, oh, is it UConn's year? And it's like, <laughs> come on. Like, it's, a, you know, like they, they've been saying that since 11, but it was UConn's year this year. They were actually right. So, uh, congrats to ESPN right there in Bristol near 
near UConn. Um, they'll yeah. be celebrating. And this is a team that is probably bringing, except Jordan Hawkins, most of their players back. So, I mean, they, they have a really real shot to repeat, although that's one of the most difficult tasks in, in any sport right now is repeating in college basketball, the way it's become, the way seniors develop over time and teams develop over time. And now the transfer po- portal just yeah. makes it a whole other animal. I know you probably spoke to Matt, Matt Bradley about that through the yeah. transfer portal he came from, right? Um, but SDSU, hats off to them. Excellent position. Um, you know, I, I always thought this started with the committee choosing Bama as the number one seed, which I didn't get. Um, kind of gifting them Bama, that side was, yeah. was quote-unquote easy, that whole side. Meanwhile, you had UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, Houston, Texas, all on the other side of the regional who were like most of the best teams in the tournament. I never got that, but SDSU well-deserved. They beat Bama, they beat a one seed, and this is great for the program, great for California. It's hard enough getting to the Final Four and the National Championship. Yeah. Winning it is a whole different story. Right? How many How many teams have actually won it? So congrats to San Diego State. Excited for their future. Exactly. Um, And whenever San Diego has been in a position to win a major championship, again, fantastic city, home base for us in the mightier 1090, uh, they've gone up against a real juggernaut team back in 94, 95, the Chargers when they were in San Diego, uh, beat Pittsburgh to get to the Super Bowl, go up against a historically great San Francisco 49ers team, the Padres in 98, go to the World Series, go up against one of the greatest baseball teams of all time, the New York Yankees. And again, this UConn team during the course of the season may not have been thought of in that light, but this postseason run, you know, when you win games by an average of around 20 points in the tournament, you know, that puts you in a different class. So again, you know, a, a tough loss, for San Diego State, but like you said, I mean, the program is in good shape. But uh, listen, now the focus is with the end of the college basketball season, the end of the Final Four. Um, again, four games, I guess, left, Brandon, in the Lakers season. This is really sort of the critical time period for them. And we've, we've been talking about this run for quite some time. You know, can they get in position now? Uh, with these last few games of the season. Again, you have four games left on the road tonight against the Utah Jazz, technically on the road, but again, they come back home to crypto for the last three games of the season. Technically a Clippers home game, but they're in their home locker room. Another home game against the Suns on Friday and another home game to close out the season once again against the uh, Jazz here. Um, Listen, there's not a magic number here. I think they, at the very least, will go two and two, uh, could be greater than that. When you look at the standings, however, Brandon, at 40 and 38 in the loss column, in the loss column, again, tied with the Clippers Warriors uh, for that five, six, seven seed. Also the, also the Pelicans don't want to forget about them. Kind of a log jam there from number five to eight. Um, so, okay, so let's play this out. A, I'm going to start and say that they're going to go two and two and um, maybe, and this was my dream scenario to be the sixth seed and not be in this play in tournament in a crazy way, Brandon, I think the five seed and play in playing the Suns in the first round is a scenario that they don't want crazy to say that they don't want to be the, the fifth seed. But I, I think if you can help it, you'd rather not play KD, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden. Uh, you'd rather not play the Suns in the first round. Uh, it'll be curious 
these last couple of games of the season, if teams position themselves to tank a bit, to not be the fifth seed. But play this out, Brandon. We just finished the college basketball Final Four. We now transition into the Lakers Final Four. How do you see the season playing out for them? Yeah, so I did a couple of videos on TikTok about this, about each of these prospective teams and how their schedules are looking. I think the first thing we have to note, I think the Lakers are going 3-1, and one, and here's why. I never thought they'd beat the Clippers. Um, I, For whatever reason, the Clippers always show up against them, and they had four days off. It's a must-win for them, too, and the Lakers are going to be coming off of a back-to-back, so I expect them to take care of business tonight. But tonight's also hard because Utah technically isn't eliminated yet. By Sunday, they'll be playing scrubs. So yeah. and if the Lakers don't have a position locked up, they're going to destroy them Sunday. Same thing goes to the Suns Friday. The Suns should be a free win for the Lakers because the Suns pretty much are going to have that four seed locked up by Friday. Meaning yeah. if I'm the Suns, I'm not playing Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and CP3 on Friday. So the back end of the schedule, the Lakers have no excuses to not win those two games. The two games I'm looking at, the toughest ones, is the back-to-back today and tomorrow. I do think they go 3-1. and one. They win today in Utah, and they lose tomorrow against the Clippers. I, I mean, I think they go 3-1, and one, they get the sixth seed, and they play Sacramento. Again, if they win out, they win all four. <laughs> if they win all four, they are <laughs> the, the five seed. You know, seed. because they own the tiebreakers over Golden State. They'd have one more win than the Clippers, right? So, I mean, it's like if you play it out, that's kind of not great. You kind of prefer going three and one. Yeah. So again, Laker Nation, if we do lose to the Clippers again, like we've been doing the past three years head to head, not the end of the world. Do not overreact. And by the way, if the Clippers went out, they'll have the five seed. And I think they match up very well against Phoenix. And I think the Lakers do not want to see Phoenix again. It's always bad to duck. The basketball gods do not like it. But look, you're going to have to play Phoenix at some point, right? I think that's Brandon, the Lakers' though, mindset. With, with, with Paul George not being back, again, I thought with the Clippers healthy, I thought they did match up well with the Suns. We, we, you know, we, we've basically got it confirmed that, that, that Paul George, at the very least, will be out for the first round. Um, now with KD back with the Suns, do you still... Who do you like there? I mean, I, I find it very hard to believe that, that the Clippers without Paul George are going to beat a healthy Suns team. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but I think the narrative uh, around all of any media outlet is going to say, oh, the Suns are going to kill them, you know, no Paul George, whatever. But the Clippers still have the best postseason player uh, besides LeBron James in the NBA right now, Kawhi Leonard, right? So for me, I think that and their depth is enough to take that series six or seven games. And remember, Phoenix has no depth. So it's like the bench, the Clippers bench is going to destroy Phoenix's bench. It's going to be about how many minutes, if because KD, DeAndre Aiden, CP3, and Book are going to have to play 35-plus minutes a game to give them a shot. And they've been on a win streak when they're healthy. They haven't lost that full strength. They're like 6-0, and similar to the Lakers with Russell, LeBron, and Davis all playing 5-0. and um, it's going to be tough. I'm not saying I'm not expecting the Clippers are going to win, but I just think it's going to be a much tougher series, even without Paul George, if that ends up being the prospective matchup than people think. Yeah, I mean, so with the Lakers, um, again, I, I I would rather be the sixth seed, no matter who they play. Again, I've, I've said this for a while. I, I, I no disrespect to the Kings, but you know, it's really hard for me to say that they're going to go on this amazing run. I I would want to play them. I do want the Lakers to be the sixth seed and, and perhaps play the Kings. Um, 
The seven seed, not as big of an issue. Again, they'd have home court for a play-in game, and if they win that game, they advance. The eight seed, which I don't think that they will be at this point, again, not as big of an issue. I, I, I like to win one, and you go into the playoffs. I, I get, and you've, you've talked about this uh, for a while, uh, too, is that the 9-10 seed was the problem. The 9-10 seed where you have to win two games, certainly the 10 seed, you have to win two back-to-back road games just to be the last seed in the playoffs. But amazingly, Brandon, they are in that conversation and may even get some help if they don't even want it to push them to the fifth seed. And now we have to kind of start to, to, to talk about this team moving on. Um, regardless of how this season plays out, again, high water, Mark, you know, if they go on this amazing run and maybe go to the conference finals and shoot, even get to the finals, and we'll see. But let's just say that they go into the playoffs, have a really good first round. And even if they lose in the first round, I mean, we, we, we do have to now look at what this team has done together. More so, by the way, and you continue to touch on this, if they're healthy. Again, we, we, we look at how they've played since the trade deadline, but we haven't seen a ton of games when they've been fully healthy. But when they have been fully healthy, they've looked like one of the best teams in the league. Well, what does this team look like long term? Let's just say like they lose in the first round, which hopefully they don't. But if they do, um, is this a team that you're comfortable with coming back next season? I think absolutely at this point. Um, first off, it, 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 that would be such a bad matchup for them, right? Because Phoenix, with their guys at full strength, they're 6-0. and And the Lakers, with their lineup at full strength, they're 5-0. and They haven't lost with that uh, Reeves, Russell, Vanderbilt, James, Davis lineup. Neither of the Suns with KD, Book, and CP3 and on. So that kind of would be unfair. Uh, and, of course, the Warriors would get gifted with Sacramento, <laughs> like per they usually do, always get gifted with... Yeah. With uh, easy matchups. Um, I think you have to bring them back. I think a full year of this team, uh, minus Malik Beasley, I don't think you should pick up the, the Lakers should pick up his 16 million team option. I don't think he deserves it as good of a shooter as he can be on some nights. I mean, he's virtually unplayable on other nights and he doesn't play defense. So can't pick that up. A couple minor tweaks, get another center, get another shooter. Um, but the basis of this team, Russell, Reeves, um, Vanderbilt, Davis, and LeBron all have to be back, which means extend Russell, extend Reeves. Those are the two priorities. Stay away from Kyrie Irving, and they'll be good. I think next year is the year we see this team get back to that more 2020 dominance if they're healthy, that 50-plus win, 55 wins. Like That's certainly expected from them if they return at full strength. And again, it's contingent upon Davis's health. Luckily, he's played... 50 plus games this year. He didn't last year. So, I mean, look, again, that's going to be about Davis's health. It's going to so, be hard to win without Anthony Davis. As much as we like the moves that the Lakers made at the trade deadline, we do have to go back to, to that moment in, in light of what's happened with the Mavericks. The Lakers wanted Kyrie. LeBron wanted Kyrie. If the Brooklyn Nets were clear to Kyrie, I mean, it, it, you go back to that time period and look at what the Lakers propose to offer for Kyrie. I really think the Brooklyn Nets, out of spite, didn't want to send Kyrie to a team he wanted to go to. They didn't want to send Kyrie to a situation where he could have maybe made a run for a championship. Um, you don't want to put this all on Kyrie, but again, A, we've talked about Kyrie coming here. That was the guy that LeBron wanted. They almost made a trade for him. It was really Brooklyn at the end of the day not wanting to do the deal. But even then... 
Brandon, and the talk was okay well it didn't happen uh you know now at the trade deadline but maybe in the off season in the summer Kyrie finds a way to come here uh what have you seen that has happened with the Mavericks and and again a lot of it's on Luca but it's like we've never seen Luca like this before there's a lot of things that don't come through when you look at the highlights or the that line I don't know what the chemistry is like Kyrie historically over the last few years has been a chemistry killer or, or has been could be um did the Lakers dodge a bullet here like what's up with Kyrie absolutely what's up, what's up with the Mavericks right now absolutely and I do think he Kyrie probably fits better you know since he's played with LeBron like on the Lakers he would fit better and I don't think it would have been as big of an issue as it is in Dallas but I mean Cuban rolled all the dice and it just didn't work they're gonna re-sign him too from what I've heard they're like the only one of the only teams that's gonna give him a substantial contract and at this point I mean I know you look at the statistics and the metrics and Kyrie's plus 72 when he's on the court and Luca's minus whatever but look, it's Kyrie's taken a toll on Luca. What he said to the media after games, what he's been saying about the locker room, what he's been saying about this team can't be a contender overnight. And not just it's not just Kyrie though, because you gave up all your defense. I mean, Dinwiddie's a good on-ball defender, and he can distribute at an elite level and score. So that's a guy you give up. Dorian Finney-Smith, possibly your only good defender on the team that was on the team before he's traded. Jalen Brunson was probably the biggest thing, and I don't think I think it's overlooked because we didn't know how good Jalen Brunson actually was, uh, and now he's like the best player on the Knicks. I think he's even better than Randall this year. Certainly more efficient. I think he's their best player on a five seed. And I think that was the difference. Brunson was able to come off of the bench and play in such an uh, unselfish player that could do so many things, such a high basketball IQ. I think that was great for Luka. And Dinwiddie, who's excellent off and on ball, right? So now you have two guys that really need the ball in their hand, similar to like Westbrook and LeBron. And I'm not saying because Kyrie can obviously shoot, so it's different than Westbrook. But like when you have two guys that have high usage percentages and kind of need the ball in their hands and don't have defense to, you know, keep it close. I mean, they're putting up points. They have a great offense. It's not that. It's going to be about really putting – because, look, Luka got to the West Finals last year. The the Maps had, like, the seventh-ranked defense in the NBA. You need a top-10 defense alongside Luka Doncic. He plays a very slow-paced, high-usage percentage. That shouldn't change with Kyrie Irving. I think the priority this offseason is not only if they want to re-sign Kyrie, which I wouldn't, but if they do, they need to prioritize some defenders around him. Yeah, it's it's just um, like as I'm watching that play out from afar, it's just one of those things. And again, he done enough with Brooklyn where I'm like, is this a player that I want on this team? To your point, him and LeBron have teamed up. They've had success. They've gone to multiple NBA finals. They won a championship together. You know, that being said, I mean, the Kyrie that won a title with LeBron in 2017, 2016, it's not the Kyrie that I see now, and I and, and I don't want to knock him or, or or say things about him because, quite frankly, I don't know him personally. But it does seem like the locker rooms he's gone into, and again, these are teams that are generally viewed as as you know, kind of super teams. I mean, look at the team he had in Brooklyn with the Mavericks; it wasn't viewed as a super team, but they're like, oh, what a tandem him and Luca. Just something happens there where it doesn't work out. So I do think that the Lakers dodged a bullet. When you look at the success that they had in 2020, Brandon, that team was kind of pieced together. But what that team did so well briefly before we go to break 
they all got their roles. They all knew what they had to do. There was no one, there wasn't a third uh, wheel that wanted to be the first or second wheel. There wasn't a guy coming off the bench who thought he should have started. They got it. And because of that, they all played well together. They won a championship together. I think this Lakers team, so you don't, again, you don't have to go get Kyrie. You don't have to do anything big. I do think that this team could go on a run this year, but even if they don't, bring them back because they get their roles. They get what they have to do. Absolutely. And I don't want to really give such a make Laker fans and Laker nations think this team should be built for a championship with their first in defensive rating over their past 20 games. They're 13 and four over their past 17 games. This is a team, and and like the 2020 team, this team understands its its role. So I would not be surprised if we see this team in the NBA Finals. They have a lot of work to do, but this is a very talented Lakers team that definitely needs to be run back, minus Malik Beasley next Exactly. Year. And, and, and again, the fact that we're like even talking about this at this point in the season, the fact that we're talking about this team maybe being a five seed, maybe being a six seed, forget about the play-in tournament. It's night and day compared to where they were. At the beginning of the season. All right, let's leave it there for now. I'm very excited about uh, the interview. G. Hey Wiley is going to come in um, and uh, join me for the special conversation. Sonny Vaccaro, absolute legend. New movie coming out tomorrow. Air. Uh, it, it, it is about Michael Jordan signing with Nike. Can't wait for you guys to hear that when we come back right here on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here... Everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090. ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, we're going to go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join someone that I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time, Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny, how are you? Oh, I'm probably much better off than the two of you. I'll tell you why. Yes. I'm floating on a cloud. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Sonny, I had such a great time. I'm so familiar with the story because I love Nike. I love Michael Jordan. I love what you've done for the game. So I didn't know what to expect coming into the uh, premiere of the film. It is amazing. And when I tell people that, like, even if they're not sports fans and they don't know anything about the story, it actually helps how did this story come to be? It's one of the great uh, stories in basketball, um, you know, shoes, obviously. How did this movie come to be? By accident. 
<laughs> I had no idea the movie was even being thought of. I knew the people, John Weinbach did a, a feature on me called Soul Man uh, <clears throat> for ESPN uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And I knew John and uh, he worked for Mandalay Bay at the time and he went along. But there was a young writer named Alex Conroy who was an intern, uh, a paid intern, just graduated from Southern California that used to go around editing all the, there were 60 hours of, of uh, tape uh, on the Soul Man thing because it lasted five years. And he watched everything about me and, and the Soul Man thing, which is all about my life. And most of it was connected starts and, you know, with Nike. And uh, he had all this thing. Then he, then I did a three, three and a half hour uh, interview for The Last Dance um, with the Michael, one of the great, you know, of, of all time. And I wasn't part of it. I really wasn't a, a major part of it. Uh, that's what the editor did. And it was fine. It had nothing to do with anything other than I wasn't. But young, uh, you know, Alex uh, put the whole thing together and he fell in love with the theory of Air Jordan. And he wrote a script. And the script ended up being this. It got to Mandalay Bay, but it was Skydance now. Skydance had brought Mandalay Bay. And, uh, you know, Peter Goober was the owner of both, and Peter's a very successful man. They brought me down two weeks before the the the, the, uh, the uh, Super Bowl when it was in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. Yeah. The first time I had met everybody, they brought 15 people. My wife and I had been, you know, went there. Uh, Mr. Goober sat down and uh, he explained to me what was happening. I had nothing to do with the script. I had nothing to do with the thought. I didn't really know exactly what they were doing until they invited me to. He invited me to his home. Now I'm sitting down with all these people that. The, movie, the, the script has started already. I mean, everyone, they're working on Ben and, you know, and Matt already, all these people. Pam and I had no idea. We had an idea. Something was happening. And Mr. Goober turns to me and says, would like you involved with the movie, but you have really no say over the movie, but you need your expertise. That's basically what. So our, that's how it started. Innocently, I had no idea. From there, we figured out a way that we would work it, that, you know, Pam and I would, cooperate for the next year and everything I did. I started doing Zooms uh, with Matt because I had not met Matt yet. Uh, the first time was an hour and a half and you know, I'm seeing the same little thing here and he's there in Los Angeles and he starts asking me about my life and this story, the, the life with George, not yeah. my life, the life. <laughs> he's going back. And, 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 uh, and you know, to, Matt was very in tune to it. He, in fact, I don't know if you know, he, 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 was brought up five and a half miles from where Patrick Ewing was born in Boston, oh. right outside of Boston. He went to Ridge Latin Ridge Lakes High School where Patrick played. So, but he was fifteen years younger than Patrick, obviously. So he was, you know, still like in junior high, I imagine. So he was a fan. He knew who I was. I mean, because of the afterlife, but not in nineteen eighty four. He may not have been born in eighty four yet, or was just a child. So my, that's my point. And we went over everything. And the agreement that I made that I would do everything I could to help Matt and Ben and, and you know, Peter to get this story as right as it can be according to my eyes. So to take you there and begin our show with, that's I I was a, a consultant. I imagine you know <laughs> I didn't change. What I did was answer questions, and they did what they wanted to do, and then we see what the final two hours ended up with. So your turn. You saw the vision for what the basketball shoes would become, where it's not just, you know, we're going to put our shoe on a player. We want to embody 
what this personality of this player is. And obviously, the, the beautiful thing about this story, and if people are not familiar with it, at that point in time, Nike was third, right? Uh, Sonny, third. it was Converse, it was Adidas, right? Yeah. Adidas. Converse, Adidas. In the shoe, in the shoe that your mother and dad probably bought you that we don't know of. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, but, but what were you? What Nike was? I was hired in '78 and '79 by Phil to put the shoes on the college coaches to put them on the college team so the kids would wear it. So it was the same theory I had a hundred years later. It got it was a way Sonny could get pay the, the athletes in a sense. I didn't give a damn who it was. I wanted to get shoes. That's what Phil wanted me to do, to sell the shoes. So I had no no clue about the pro internet. I was invited to a meeting where they were going to make the biggest decision of their life, and they were in third or fourth or fifth place. Makes no difference because I don't believe if Michael came, we would have we would have been talking about this, and Nike probably would have done well because Phil's a bright man. Everything would have turned out good, I, 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 I believe, because of his own genius. But it wouldn't have turned degree. It wouldn't have turned to this degree, and you, we wouldn't have created a legend and a goat, not as a great player as Michael Jordan ended up being, being the great marketer of all time. And Nike could never be overcome in our lifetimes. They are now the alpha male of that industry. There was this amazing moment in the film where Michael Jordan's signature shot in college. We've all seen it, you know, the game-winning shot against when he was in college at North Carolina. But there's this scene where you replay that and you zoom in on how he is, and he's just so relaxed, so relaxed, and he hits the shot, and that was the moment he wanted. And in that moment, Sonny, you saw this is not just a player, this is not just a top three pick, this is a superstar. What did you see there? I saw something that broke my heart. I was at the game. Pam and I were at that game. They were playing Georgetown for the national championship. Okay. Georgetown and UNLV at that time were my – I knew John and I knew Jerry Tarkany better and I knew all the other coaches, but I obviously adored the other coaches. They wore Nike shoes. We had 70-some teams at that time. I was at the game. The game's almost over. It's now, you know, tied, losing by one, close all damn day. And Michael Jordan hits the shot. God is my judge. Audience, listen to this. And I'll say it again and again until I die. I didn't give a darn about Michael Jordan. I was pissed off that Michael Jordan made the shot. What stayed in my mind was he made the shot. When the game's over, let me just tell the audience, I never talked to Mike Jordan You know, at, at any time up until then. I didn't care about North Carolina up until then. I didn't, I didn't know Dean Smith. Okay, he broke my heart. Two years have now passed. Never in my wildest dreams at that time did I ever think Nike was going to be at a point where we're, we're going to be big enough to get a, a, a marketing you know, athlete because it's never been done before. Magic was there and Larry Bird and all those guys prior to them. They got deals with shoe companies, but they, they just wore their shoe. They put them on the back of Sports Illustrated or something like that. That was the marketing part. I remembered the shot in my mind. Never mentioned his name. I, I would bet a dime on that. For the, until they asked me that question. Strasser comes to me. There are five people in the room, plus me, that he wanted us to vote on who we should, who Nike should invest their money in. Swear to God Almighty. For some reason, some strange quirk fate, I was the last guy. I was the only one that, I, all five of those guys before me were closer to Nike than I was. I didn't stay at Nike. I didn't live there like the movie stays 24 hours a day. I, used to, I was a transient employee. Yeah. So he asked me that question, 
And for what reason? Because one second before he asked me that question, I, Michael Jordan was not on my mind. Then he, he calls me and I said, give it to the kid. He said, what do you mean? What kid? Give it to the Jordan kid of North Carolina. And that changed the world. Everyone in that room, including Rob Strauss at that time, thought I was crazy. He was on the board, but as you know, there were four Hall of Fame players on that board. Yeah. You know, and one of them being Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Michael, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Kim Elijah one, pretty goddamn good, you know. <laughs> right? And whatever fate is, what is karma, whatever it is, you know, magical in our lives that we all think so, that day changed the world. And Rob Strasser and Phil Knight eventually said yes to it, changed the world. One of the beautiful things about the story is you see the beginning stages of this company and Phil has the principles of the company on the board. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they watch Shark Tank and they, and they watch these film studying and they want to like, what is the next big company? What was it like being on the ground floor, the beginning stages of a startup that becomes this multi-billion dollar company? You know what? Great question. No one give a damn because you, everyone in the world at that time, especially America, thought the only company in the world was Converse. Mm -hmm. Converse tennis shoe, they were playing tennis, they were playing basketball, they were playing, you know, going shopping. That's, that was the way it was in the 60s and 70s. That's what I, a tennis shoe was the all everything shoe, right? And then Adidas in Europe owned the, that world. Adidas and the two brothers, everyone knows the story. They were classy. They, they had leather. They had a lot of things that American people didn't have. That's the only two, if you had somebody a quiz, I'll bet you dined a donut, the only two things that era kids like me would have said would have been Converse or Adidas. Jordan never, you know, I used to call Nike Nikki. I didn't know how to <laughs> that, I swear to God, that, that's a true story. So to say we are in competition, there was no competition. It was a dealer's or converse to make your choice from. There was no pro kids and the other thing. They didn't know that. The biggest miracle in the world that Michael and then later his mother changed the world by going, we were a big upset. In Vegas, is, you know, you guys know I gamble a little bit. My brother and all that stuff. <laughs> Las Vegas. It was, was 100,000 to one that that, would, that event was going to happen. But life changed when I first met Michael Tony Romas. The three and a half Three and a half months it took me to, you know, and, and Nike to sign them. You know, th then it was, uh, well, we know what it is. You just said the greatest company in the world. Yeah, Sonny, it is an honor to be talking to you today. I cannot tell you. I've, I've watched every single thing that has to do with you. I'm, I'm so blessed to, to, for you to even be in our presence. Um, I was wondering, in the, in the movie air, it looks like um, Michael's parents are ridiculously influential when it came to the decision of being signed on. Um, is that an accurate, uh, can, can we say that that was, that was pretty accurate? It was not, it's not only accurate, young lady. It's the absolute truth. I didn't know, obviously I didn't know Dolores or James prior to meeting Michael at the, the Tony Romas. But that day there was a small inkling as we are leaving in hugging, as my wife would, would have been all my, all my life, as hugging the, the people I'm with. Michael walks out and said, you know, you know I, I'm not, you know, Mr. Vaccaro, I want to go with Adidas. I mean, basically, he said, you know, my parents, you know, he, somehow he involved his parents in our, la our first and, you know, I thought maybe the last conversation. I knew then, my, and I don't know how I knew, so don't ask me to waste five more minutes of our time. I didn't <laughs> know. But after that first meeting, then I met him again with David Falk and Rob Strasser 
to talk deeper because the Olympic Games were in LA in 1984. So we had this meeting with Falk, Rob, and myself at, at the Hermitage Hotel in Beverly Hills. And then we knew that maybe money is going to be involved. But never talk about the signature shoe and the, all that stuff. That was the first day. Why did I call? Because I remember the last little hug from Michael was my parents were really involved in my wife or my, my life at that time. Okay. My thing to Strasser, we made it, we, we had this famous thing. It's in there, you know, with, with he and I arguing all that stuff. Falk I'm talking about. But my psychological part was I told Rob and I told Phil, I said, how the heck do I, meet, I got to meet the family. And they said, you figure out how you meet the, met the family, you know, meet the family. And after phone calls, just want to tell you, that was, that was all phone calls. I didn't know Dolores. I didn't know James. Okay, We had a connection, which later became a lifelong connection. Okay, But then she took the call, and I built up a relationship. And everything goes, evolves like you know the, the movie says, sort of. I got close to the parents. And the, the harder it was for the public and even David Falk to think, I'm going to sign you know, Michael, the easier it became because Michael wasn't going to make this thing. I mean, he loved Adidas for what a young person would love him for, right? He loved the outfit. He did. He liked the sweatsuits. He brought up the sweatsuits. That, I remember, <laughs> that's still in the movie, but I remember when I saw a cut. Michael liked, loved those they were beautiful sweatsuits. Adidas was ahead of everybody's style. There's no question about that. And I stuck with Dolores and James. And then when I finally got to meet them in person, the rest happened. Though That last part of that movie, when... Viola takes over the movie. I mean, yeah. Like, she is, yeah, she's an incredible actress. Absolutely. I honestly believe it wasn't acting that she was doing. He just yeah. enjoyed Mrs. Jordan in a different way because Bill Knight knew, Rob Strauss knew, and I knew a little earlier, not as deep as that, the meeting in, uh, the meeting in Oregon. No, not. Those words come out of her mouth, you know. So I knew that the one opening wasn't, I never saw Michael again to Oregon, just so you're mm. understand. I didn't see him from Tony Ramos to they came to Oregon. So <laughs> the meeting at the, at the, you know, the Olympic games down on the beach there, that, that was all different. All the other meetings, Michael was never there. I didn't <laughs> see him again, but Mrs. Jordan did it. She I love it. it. I love it. That's awesome. You see, it's amazing. But Mr. Jordan, let me just say this if I can, real quick. Yeah, yeah. When they were able, when he did this over, no one knew what the hell was yet. Nike was going to be happy if we sold ten shoes, because last year we sold five shoes and you know, you know, other shoes other than the Jordan thing. But when we started marketing, when Rob and Peter and the, and the marketing department, when Spike Lee became involved, when you know, I love Ella, when Nike then started becoming bigger, also through their commercials, no one knew what the hell you look like and all that. Yeah. Really didn't know what Michael Shoe looked like. That's what did it. Michael Jordan opened to the world in 1984 to the athletes that someday you won't just be an employee of the company that gives you a contract. You'll be part of it. See, no one went, no one's talking about that today, especially today where up, our world's crazy, right? Yeah. Michael opened the doors. Even LeBron did not get a piece of it when he signed, he got a hundred million dollars, which is a goddamn good piece. But I'm sorry, but that's not, no worries. not get a point. Michael Jordan was the greatest marketer in the world, and he will be remembered more for allowing the athlete 
and making a signature shoe or putting the power into the athletes department than he is one of the greatest players that ever lived and scoring points and winning seven championships because what he did by opening up a new venue was a whole way to earn yeah. for the athletes. There was a predecessor to NIL. The college kids finally got a thousand years later. Jordan did that. Sonny, last question for you. We are on the air in Las Vegas. Vegas is seen briefly at the beginning of the movie. I was just hanging out with Jimmy at the oh. South Point in Las Vegas, a legend, of course, as you know, your brother. Um, what Vegas has become, I think it's amazing. For the first time ever, they had a West Regional there. In 2028, they'll have the Final Four there. And I kept thinking, what would Shark think? What would the Jerry Tarkinia think that the NCAA has finally embraced Las Vegas? Well, let me let me say this, okay? That to me is like one of those ten most, most important things in my life that happened because for all those years, I'm not a fan of the NCAA. So I know we're on a time limit right now, okay? That shows you how hypocritical they are. When I used to run my big time tournament, my events, and and, there, and Tark was obviously the man of the town. He, he really was. I wasn't allowed to put the teams in hotels that had gambling. They had to stay in Motel 6. They had to do this. They had to do that. So we see now, all these years later, not only are they allowing the team to play there, they want the team. They're going to bring the NCAA finals. These big hypocrites. These <laughs> big, there's more gambling going on today than there was the thousands of years before there was a, you know, a utopia called Las Vegas. Okay, so I'm saying to you, just like a lot of things in our country, it took them, it took them eternity to do. But there have been six or seven presidents of the NCAA that blasphemed, that screamed at, and they screamed at me, they screamed at Tark. Tark, Tark opened that door. You, everybody knows that. <laughs> he, he made Vegas human by his own quirks. That's it. He did. He, he was Jerry Tarkani with the little short slave, and he, he looked like he was on the street somewhere, right? Tark was as smart as they had. But to, to say this, I'm very happy now. I'm happy that the men and the women are having the tournaments because Las Vegas is and has been. The only point difference, everybody knew in the 50s and 40s when they first started, everyone saw good fellows and bad fellows and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, and all the movies. But you know what? Isn't it interesting? We got the tabernacle of all the churches there. We got all the good people there. We're all celebrating in Las Vegas. And it makes me happy. But it makes me sad for all the people who were punished because it was a sin to come to Las Vegas and play basketball. I have to say that. No, so. it's 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 great, and you were well, well, and you have been your entire life well ahead of the curve here. And I just can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, you know, by the way, perfect timing coming out right after the Final Four in Houston. Uh, Sonny, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, this has been such a highlight for us. So that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now a ghost in the dark? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.